How reliable are our memories of past events? Are there ever situations in which we can't trust our own memories? Mm. And how much should we believe in eyewitness testimonies? Mm. I mean, they saw it with their own eyes, right? Right. Loftus and Palmer in 1974 conducted the car crash study to test whether a leading question can influence a person's memory of an event. Welcome to Psych Papers, a podcast of bad content where we discuss the most interesting psychology studies and conduct our own follow-up research. In the second half of the episode, we'll discuss our actual own replication study of the car crash study and talk about how we actually found different results. Hi, I'm Chris. I just recently got my PhD in psychology, and uh, this is my co-host, Joseph Taharan. His friend. What is a leading question? A leading question is a question that suggests a certain answer in the wording of the question. For example, how delicious did you think that food was? So what actually happened in the study? Participants watched a video of a collision between two cars, and this was within a compilation of like driver's education footage. They then filled out a questionnaire asking them a series of questions but the most critical question asked about the speed of the vehicles involved in the collision. So they answered the question about how fast were the cars going when they hit each other, except depending on the condition, participants were assigned to the verb hit. Uh, the verb hit was changed to either smashed, collided, bumped, or contacted. So how fast were the cars going when they hit each other, when they smashed each other, collided, bumped, or contacted each other? Different participants got different words here. And each word implies a different speed. Uh, but everybody saw the exact same video. So the verb used in the question, contacted, hit, bumped, collided, or smashed, significantly influenced participants' speed estimations during the collision. So participants estimated higher car speeds when the word smashed was used and lower speeds when the word contacted was used. So this was the kind of table. These were the mean speed estimates for the verbs used. So smashed got the highest speed estimate. That kind of makes sense, right? Then mm -hmm. it was collided, then bumped, then hit, then contacted. People estimated the slowest speeds. And this, this kind of makes sense colloquially like within our understanding of language, right? So the results show that the form of the question can significantly influence a witness's answer to a question. So one potential explanation for this is that the question wording actually changes the memory of the accident. So the verb smashed may change someone's memory such that they visually in their head see the accident as more severe than it actually was. So if we know the question wording can influence memory, how far can this phenomenon go? Can people actually remember, quote, details that didn't actually occur? The second experiment tested this. In the second experiment, participants watched a video of a multiple car accident and then answered a questionnaire. And participants were divided into three conditions, which changed what question wording they received, similar to the past experiment. So the smash group read the question about how fast were the cars going when they smashed into each other. The hit group read the same question, but it was read as when the cars hit each other. And the control group was not asked about car speed. So they saw the video and then the participants left. One week later, the participants came back into the lab and, and they said, without watching the what? film again. And they said, what the fuck? I got in a car accident. I smashed into another car. Another participant said, I collided with another car. 
<laughs> and then the third guy came out and said, well, we bumped into each other. <laughs> Speaking of smash, smash that like button, guys. Smash it, bump it, contact it, hit it. You know what to do. One week later, participants came back into the lab and without watching the film again, they answered questions about the accident in the video. And the okay. critical question was, did you see any broken glass? Now, I'll just tell you, there was no broken glass in the accident in the video that they saw. Since broken glass is consistent with high-speed accidents, it was expected that people in the smash group would be more likely to misremember seeing glass. Okay, so what were the results? People in the smash group were significantly more likely to misremember and say that they saw broken glass than people in the hit group. Further, the faster that people estimated the cars to be going, the more likely they were to misremember broken glass. So now this is, it doesn't matter if they saw hit or smash in the question. Uh, if you estimated the cars to be going faster, you'd be more likely to misremember broken glass. This is consistent with their kind of theory that if you have a memory that the cars are going faster, you're more likely to misremember details that are consistent with high-speed car crashes. Keep in mind, there was no broken glass, and they are incorrectly remembering these events. Yeah, because, I mean, the point you're trying to make is, like, I mean, there is a chance that there will be broken glass, right? But the question is really pointed at Correct. Watching, watching it in the video. Yes, and depending on how the question is worded, can you get people to remember things that didn't happen just yeah. based on how you word the question? And you can. Okay, so what can we gather from all this? The way a question is asked can enormously influence the answer. And it can even influence your memory of events a week later. So they propose two kinds of information go into one's memory for a complex event. The first is information gleaned during the original event. The second is external information supplied after the fact. Over time, information from these two sources may be integrated in a way that we're unable to tell which source a specific detail is recalled from. All we have is one memory. So the participant first watches a, car, a video of a car crash and forms a memory, right? Then the experimenter asks, how fast were the cars going when they smashed into each other? And that piece of info interacts with the original memory. If this is the case, if this is a real phenomenon, kind of imagine all of the context that this can be applied to. Imagine in interrogation situations, just the way that you word a question, you can kind of get people to misremember mm. a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing it maliciously and intentionally, you could be really kind of you know, conniving and tricky with this. When I used to work at the suicide hotline or crisis line, one of the things we taught was to avoid as much as possible to pr like, like, mm. uh, you know, leading questions. Cause you, you know, you like a leading question could be like, you know, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of trauma we hear, Well, you can't make assumptions about people's traumas. Like, oh, so you, you know, cause you had this conflict with so-and-so that means you probably hate them, huh? Like you can't. Mm. <laughs> that's and that, yeah. that's like very disengaging too just in general conversation even aside from the crisis line just have like oh you're not obviously not listening or you're, you're injecting some extra stuff in here that i that i did not communicate to you yeah um, yeah you're, you're kind of projecting your own attitudes and beliefs in the situation like oh like you must hate them because i would hate them so yeah you yeah, must yeah, too yeah. right yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 
Yeah, and I'm guessing it's even... I wonder if this effect of like leading questions influencing memories, I wonder if that effect would disappear if like if people knew that it was going on. Are you, are you, you're, if you're you conscious could pick that that's that happening? It was a leading question? Yeah, yeah. If you're conscious. You know, does that effect uh, go away? Do you have to be unaware of it? Do most people miss it, I guess, or not catching it as much as I'm assuming assuming it they would? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I guess who's to it's say, right? <laughs> who's to say? It's, if it's, it's, it's hard. It's already happened. It's hard, hard, to, hard, to, hard to notice. It is. And it's, and it's hard to tell a leading question from just like a genuine question. You know, if, you're at, if you are, let's say you're a lawyer in a trial and you do want to ask a witness about how fast the cars were going, you do have to pick a verb at some point. Hit, collided, smashed, describe, bumped. Yeah. You do have to pick a, a word. And we're kind of seeing, okay, are you going to go smashed or bumped? Mm-hmm. You know? And what is kind of a genuine question can kind of easily influence uh, one's memory and kind of swing things potentially either way. This is the part of the episode where we talk about the follow-up research we conducted. And today's follow-up research is on leading questions in memory. And for this follow-up research study, I thought it'd be really cool as an opportunity. I was like, oh, this is a study that we could just run a straight replication study of. We have all the, all the tools and means. Like, it's totally doable via an online survey. So let's try to replicate a study uh, that we're talking about. So the main question is, how are memories influenced by leading questions? That was the main question in the Loftus and Primer study that we talked about earlier. Okay, so how are memories influenced by leading questions? So I had participants watch a video of two cars crashing into each other. And I surveyed uh, 395 people for this. So I'll play the video right now, but if you're on audio, it's just a video of two cars at a four-way intersection and they crash into each other. And for further context, then I asked Chris. Chris, Chris asked me as a pilot person. I didn't even know. Like, how dare you use me as your study? I, I thought it was just a friend asking me a favor. He's like, "Hey, watch this video real quick," and just start asking me some quick questions. <laughs> I didn't even I frame it as like an original study. <laughs> I should. I you could so easily get participants in a survey. Just be like, "Hey, just Can't, text all your friends. Hey, can you do me a quick favor? Just fill out this five minute survey." <laughs> No, even to give context, you'd be like, hey, can you fill this out? I just need this right away. Like sometimes when if you... I give context, that's a con- confounding variable. What do you mean? How I don't want to influence the, the study. I wanted you to be a participant. I didn't want to give context being like, hey, this is the study that I'm going to do. Yeah, but I didn't know I was a participant. That's the problem. I didn't know I was You're in a not, study all of a sudden. You are not a participant. You're not a participant in this. You were, oh my God. Okay. Am I, com- You're am not I com- in this study? Am I in this, a confederate? Shut up! In this, <laughs> you're not a confederate. You're you're a diehard liberal. Okay, you're a Yankee <laughs> Doodle bandit. Who am I? In this 395 people, you're not one of them. Okay, you're not in the study. Damn, I'm sorry. That hurts. You are not in the study. <laughs> <laughs> how are memories influenced by leading questions? We asked people these two questions after they watched the video about how fast was the black car going when it smashed into the white car, and then the verb varied. So we smashed collided, bumped, hit, or contacted. So there were five conditions, five verbs. And it it dictated which verb they saw in the question. 
And then I asked a follow-up question, were the airbags in the white car deployed? Because I was interested in, okay, in the other study, people were misremembering details uh, that weren't there, and they were implanting details into their memory. There was no broken glass in the original study, but people were remembering broken glass in the study. I was like, oh, okay, wouldn't that be cool if people could remove details from a study? So the airbags in the white car did go off. They were deployed. But maybe, depending on the, the verb they get, can they remove? Because smashed, if it's a severe car crash, if it's a high-speed crash, you do expect the airbags to go off. If it's bumped or the cars contacted each other, you don't expect the airbags to go off. So can people remove details from a memory? So this is what we call in uh, academia a uh, research rematch. <laughs> Switching it up. Hey, it's a... It's called a replication plus expansion, baby. And we're going to expand your mind with these results. Hey, expand that subscribe button, right? <laughs> expand it. Make it larger. <laughs> oh, you designer. Stretch it out. Oh. Stretch it out. <laughs> so here are the speed estimates for the verbs. I'm very so, interested in this. I gave a, can I say, before you say, I gave a small, smaller estimate for this. When you did their pilot test with me. Yes, I think you said about like 10 miles per hour or something. something. Yeah, I didn't feel that fast. Yeah. Which is about what I would have guessed. Okay, here are the speed estimates for the verbs uh, that we used in the study. So before I even show them, results did not replicate. So I know. So I'll show them right now. The psych papers, official psych papers replication of N395. Uh, did not replicate. So these were the mean speed estimates that people gave. So hit elicited the highest speed estimate of 12.5 miles per hour on average. Then it was contacted, then collided, then bumped, and then smashed. Smashed was at the bottom. What the hell, man? Smash that like button. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, Chris, I don't want to sell out. Ugh. Oh, but if, it, if I can turn selling out into a bit, it's I can I, I can I can stay consistent, tell myself I'm not a hypocrite, but still make that money, yo. <laughs> All right. I've got your number, dude. I know you. All right. Call me anytime. These were there were no significant differences between any of these estimates. Regardless of the fact the rankings. Yeah, regardless of the fact that we didn't even mirror the other results. Yeah, regardless, there were no significant differences. uh, And there were a couple reasons. Here are the original uh, results that they found. So they found it was smashed, eliciting the highest speed estimate, then collided, then bumped, then hit, then contacted. This all kind of of makes sense. Yeah, I thought hit would have been faster than bumped. Uh, But yeah, our results were very different. I mean, smashed was at the opposite end. We yeah. when when participants read at how fast did the cars go when they when they smashed each other, they thought it was going very slowly. Now, don't pay attention to the exact speed estimates here and how they're different from the original study. We used different videos. The video that they used, the cars were going much faster. We're just looking at the differences relatively. And there were no significant differences in whether they thought the airbags were deployed or not. Mm. Okay, so... What did we learn, kids? Why didn't the effect 
replicate. Uh, maybe my sample was somehow different than their sample. You know? Okay. There, there, there could be uh, systematic differences between my sample, which was an MTurk sample, Amazon MTurk, these online survey takers, and their sample, which was, uh, I think it was undergrads at their university, I believe. Classic. Classic. Class, classic psych research. So it could be sampling differences. So difference in it demographic, because be. like undergraduates mm-hmm. usually skew younger. Yep. Could be a difference in demographics, like, you know, age, education, like geography, like where they live. It could be like any number of things. Mm-hmm. Another potential difference is methodological differences. So it could be in the video that, that we used. So the video I used... Uh, the cars were going much slower. It was an, it was an, at an intersection. Um, and like it could just be an artifact of the, the video that was used. Maybe there wasn't as much variance in the options uh, that people could give. Because again, the cars crashed going pretty slowly. I think the real estimate was prob- would probably be around 10 miles per hour. That doesn't give a lot of wiggle room mm-hmm. uh, for variance in people's estimates. Nobody's going to guess 30 miles per hour on that. Because they were turning. Whereas in their video, Loftus and Primer's original study, the cars were going very fast. I think like 40, 40 something miles per hour. That gives a lot more variance kind of above the real value and below it mm. to kind of get differences, right? It could be the scale that I used. Uh, rather than asking people to just input a number on how fast they think the cars were going, I gave a Likert scale survey item. Where I, there were range. seven options, and I gave them ranges. One to three miles per hour, four mm. to six miles per hour, seven to nine miles per hour. So it could be due to that. Maybe I should have given people like a, just an open text entry response to just put in a number. Could be due to publication bias. Mm. Uh, this mm. is the bias that... This is the spilling the tea reason. This is the spilling the tea. More like spilling the pee, right? Researchers will get that. Um, <laughs> Thousands of researchers public- are laughing in unison <laughs> as they heard that. Oh, I got that one. <laughs> a publication bias is when there is a bias to publish papers that find significant results. Mm. So if there are five studies that are run and four of them find non-significant results and one of them does find significant results and it's on the exact same topic, that one study that found significant results is more likely to get published. Uh, whereas the other four studies that didn't find any results, they might just sit away in like a file drawer. You know, it, it, Chris, this is a problem in the academia world, I assume. Huge, huge problem. This is a big problem. It's, it's called the replication crisis. We're at crisis level. People are running similar studies, but only yes. the more interesting or juicy ones get published. Um, Correct. In that, in that, there mm. are a bunch of old studies, foundational studies, that kind of were in a lot of my textbooks in undergrad that I mm-hmm. learned about, and people have been trying to replicate these effects over and over and over, and like almost none of these the effects are replicating. So, mm. what's what's mm. what's going on? What's going on there? Yeah, the leading belief is that a lot of researchers in the past were what's called p-hacking. So that's that's that that's spilling the p joke. So p-hacking is when you kind of you can kind of do some slight shady unsavory things to your data to kind huh. of get significant results. 
and it's 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 unethical it's bad science it's bad research uh, just, but there, the there, there people, are ways to trick yourself it, is it is it it's just is it like fudging the numbers for us lay people it's kind of it's it's exactly that it's fudging the numbers in a way that just skews your data a little bit in favor which doesn't uh, mean it's so not untrue but it's not mean the data is untrue you're just you're framing it in a different light yeah i might i might collect data from 100 participants and then i run the analysis and i'm like oh i didn't get significant results and i'm like mm, you know what i think 100 participants was too small let me run 10 more participants i get 10 more i run the analysis yeah. again and i'm like oh still no significant results you know what i think it was still too small let's run 10 more and then do the analysis again oh now it's significant okay now now let's stop data collection now we've got enough and it's like oh well that 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 didn't that didn't seem like good research practice. Our replication attempt uh, did not pan out. We did not find significant effects, and um, yeah, it was a big bummer, man. This is the first of our follow-up research studies that like like didn't pan out as I planned. So, a couple of things to consider. First, does this make the what we found from this research study? Does it matter? Was that whole narrative portion that we learned at the beginning of this episode? <laughs> were those findings pointless for our listeners? Nope. Because okay. in psychology, it's not that we are... So in, we in, our, wins? in our replication attempt, we did uh -huh. not find evidence for this effect of okay. leading questions on memory. Uh, and that's all we can say. We didn't find evidence for it. It it's didn't not that negate this test. It, yes, yeah. it's not that we found mm. evidence against it. We just didn't find evidence that that suggests that. Mm -hmm. So that's re that's really all we can say is that this study did not find evidence for this effect. Okay, and then I guess the second question to think about because this happened, you know, so on like in the internet, just like going on Reddit or whatever. Oftentimes, people will cite studies, right? Like, oh, this new finding. Blah blah blah, and you know mm -hmm. maybe a lay more lay person be like, you know, I always feel like there's a bunch of studies always contradicting each other. Maybe that's something someone would say about academic research. So if you're looking at any like new finding or new effect, some so some new study came out that demonstrates something you know wild. Uh, yeah, like like black coffee makes you, you live longer. Sure. Yeah. Generally, you wouldn't want to base you wouldn't want to put a lot of stake in one individual study. You would want more replication attempts to come out. And then what you would do, once a certain certain threshold has been reached for a number of replications, you would want to do a systematic review or a meta-analysis of those studies to kind of compare all of the studies together and say, okay, like how how large of an effect, if there is one, exists. Then is it a problem then, Chris, when a new study does get publicized? Like oftentimes some academic studies that do get either get published or get Get, or reach the news, right, in some sort of way, is that problematic in any way? Or is it important yeah. that people at least have awareness yeah. of it? I don't know. That's that's a big that's a big large gap between like academic studies and the media, whereas obviously mm -hmm. the media wants like the, the juiciest, spiciest, hottest hottest off the press study. Just like just like even if it hasn't been replicated or anything. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 a problem all around. Yeah. Um and nobody wants to wait for, you know, the fifth 20... replication attempts to come out. Yeah. And well, also, 
Nobody yeah, wants to conduct replication research because that doesn't get you because that doesn't get you headlines. That doesn't get you buzz. That doesn't get you a lot you, of citations. It's it's boring to redo somebody else's study. So it's more interesting to do a very different study or introducing something new, especially if the results are, you know, noteworthy or significant to share. But there's not an incentive to replicate someone's study to validate whether or not what they found was accurate. We're adding Correct. to the space. Correct. Okay. That's kind of a bummer, bro. <laughs> a little bit of a bummer. That's the world we live in. Yeah, man. Damn, dude. Can I leave on this note? <laughs> what did we say about research? <laughs> We're going to end on a... You know what? Research is cool. Bye. But... <laughs> Bye. <laughs>